Hello, this is Dominic Kearns with the Rising as One podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to thank our partners, the Beautiful Game Network. You can see their stuff at bgn.fm. And Firebird Rising. You can find their stuff at firebirdrising.corair.com. And we'd also like to thank our new sponsor, Roughneck Scarves. And now, let's get on to the show. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Rising is One podcast. We are a man down this week. Uh, Kyle isn't feeling the best, but we do have Jeff here. Jeff, how are you doing? Uh, doing great, Dominic. Uh, great to be back again this week. A uh, couple of good games to talk about this week and uh, a little bit of everything going on around the league as uh, we wrap up the preseason. Yep, it's been a fun week. Two more matches and then we've we're really getting towards the end of preseason. It's amazing how time flies with all these matches coming one after the other. Do you want to get into these matches this week? Yeah, let's get into let's get into Wednesday's match first against the uh, Houston Dynamo down in the Tucson in the uh, Mobile Mini Sun Cup. Uh, you know, another strong lineup put out by by uh, Patrice Carterone. Obviously, you know, we didn't see Didier Drogba. They held him out, but I mean. You know, you got the chance to see Jason Johnson in the lineup. He's got to see Billy Forbes. Got to see Fernandez. Uh, you know, got to see a lot of the guys. You know, get a, a good run. At, you know, at least a good sixty-minute run before a lot of guys got subbed in. But uh, um, good play all around. You know, like like I said, it, to me, it's not about results. It's all about you know how the team starts to gel together. And I think you kind of started to see some of that in this match. I mean. I mean, Phoenix almost opened scoring, you know, 30 minutes in, you know, when Kevon Frader had a nice free kick from just outside the box. It just went over the – it made it over the wall, and uh, Houston goalkeeper Chris Seitz punched it away. Um, but, you know, the interesting play came shortly after that when uh, when a Dynamo player was uh, shown a red card. Interesting, Interestingly enough, he was – he originally was shown a yellow, but the uh, referees went to use VAR technology uh, to overrule the yellow card and go with the straight red card, which I thought was interesting. Obviously, the rules of the Mini Sun Cup was, you know, even though a player gets a red card, you're allowed to replace him, which they did. Uh, obviously, doesn't have to serve a suspension because it is in the preseason, which I think is a good thing. Don't get me wrong. I think it's, you know... It's only fair you're playing preseason. This isn't for real. This isn't, you know, it's for anything big. And, you know, it's a chance for these guys to learn things, which is good. But obviously, you know, just a couple of minutes after that that red card, uh, Dynamo take the lead uh, when Arturo Alvarez scored on a cross from uh, former Rio Grande Valley midfielder Eric Bird just before the half. Uh, got it past uh, Zach Lubin, you know, for the goal. 
Um, not much he could really do about it, you know. Just you know, a solid ball played in. You know, not a set piece, thankfully, where we've seen a lot of goals being given up in the preseason by Rising. You know, just a good run of play, and <clears throat> not you know, it wasn't. It just wasn't as much <clears throat> closed off on the back line uh, to be able to to score that goal. But you know, Phoenix Rising almost evened it up, and, and <clears throat> you know, and some people you still want to think we actually did even it up. Right before the end of the first half, Jason Johnson with the PK misses the PK or <coughs> doesn't miss a PK. It's saved by saved by sights, but uh, Johnson gets on the ball, gets a rebound, it hits off the hits off the post. And from pictures that obviously we posted on Rising is one and 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 other places that have been seen, you could clearly see that the ball had crossed the line. Um, interesting, interestingly enough. You would figure VAR technology would have helped there, but wasn't used at that point. So I'm kind of confused as to what truly is VAR being used for. Is it just being used simply for penalties, or is it being used for everything? I mean, I, I, and I, and I understand it's the preseason and everything, but you know, it's kind of one of those. Is this a you know something that? we should be concerned about or i don't know you know but and and you know you're not the only one asking these questions i think jose bosch the guy that runs the rising twitter account was chomping at the bits to use his uh var woo what is it good for tweet uh that got a lot of likes and retweets uh that was pretty clever um someone pointed out you must have been sitting on that one for years and uh, <laughs> I bet you he was. Uh, that was pretty, you know, making lemonade out of lemons in that situation because yeah. there's no doubt the ball was over the line. And what are you going to use? You know, if you're not going to use VAR there, what's the point? Yeah, exactly. No, I totally agree with you there. I mean, it's just, it was, it was kind of surprising, kind of shocking. But, you know, like I said, it is the preseason. And, you know, maybe that's one of the things that they're working out in the kinks. And, you know, we don't even know how much – VAR is going to get used in USL in 2018. I mean, it did get used in in uh, 25 games last year. 29 of the 30 teams experienced at least one use of, of VAR technology. Uh, Phoenix Rising did did uh, play one game under the VAR rules against Oklahoma City last year in Oklahoma City, and and nothing was ever needed to be used by VAR in that game. So, you know. I think it's one of those that's going to take time and, and figure it out. But, you know, go down one nothing at the half, come out in the second half, make some you know decent plays. You know, Asante had a good shot close to the end. Alessandro Rigi had a good shot close to the end. But just not quite enough to, to, to get one over the line. But then again, you know, like I said, one nothing loss to Houston. I'm okay with it because – you still got guys who are trying to gel and trying to learn from each other. I mean, obviously, a couple of players picked up some injuries uh, during the game, and players had to be subbed back in. Chris Cortez obviously picked up, you know, an injury there. He got a got a knock to the head uh, there. Um, uh, Houston was playing awfully physical in that match. They, they I don't they were. really understand what that was about. I mean. Did you mention that in the first half, before their goal, they got a red card? Yeah. And they were, I mean, because it's Mobile Mini Cup, they're allowed to play with 11 men. Right. Um, but 
I mean, I don't understand, especially on such a chilly night like that where you can really pick up injuries easily. Uh, I don't understand why they were playing that physical um, in a match that doesn't really have implications. I guess they're they're gearing up for MLS, but yeah, which which I understand. But by the same token, you know, you're a you're playing a USL side. B you're not playing for anything really. Because according, you know, when you listen to the announcers during that game, they had already locked up first place in the Mobile Mini Sun Cup, and they were going to be playing in the finals regardless. So, you know, yeah, that's you kind of ask that question. Well, you know, why are we really playing this aggressively, and why are we playing this tight and everything? Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe it is, you know, gearing up for the regular season. But, but then again, like you know, I I agree with you as well. You know, there's no reason for. I mean. Look at what you know. Look at what happened last week. You know when the uh, when Phoenix Rising played Colorado. Look at the physicality that they got involved towards the end of that match. You know you had a, a, <coughs> a two studded tackle that that you know should have never happened, and you know things got a little little testy at the end of that Colorado match too. You know with players and everything. So you know I I get that you're trying to play, but you know there's there's a time and a place for it, and that's to me what March 14th would would be or March 17th would be all about yeah I mean a good result though I think the takeaway for me in this one and I only saw bits and pieces I had class during this match I like that they had a better defensive shape in this match you know Houston didn't have a lot of sustained pressure leading to you know kind of barrages like in the New York Red Bulls first preseason match or against Sporting Kansas City, where there were like 10, 15-minute stretches where the defense is holding on for dear life. There really wasn't a lot of that against the Dynamo. It seemed like possession was 50-50 after the first 20, 25 minutes or so. And, you know, in my books, that's a 1-1 draw. And they played really well. I mean, defense looked better than it did in the three matches on in our home stadium. And... I mean, the Dynamo are a team that can score goals, and we really shut them down pretty well. They only got one goal on the break, kind of giving us a taste of our own medicine. But um, all in all, really good performance. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I I agree about you talking about defensive shape. I thought, you know, it was really strong in that match. Like I said, you you give up the one, you know, cross there towards the end of the first half. But for the most part, it was a solid effort from the boys. And, you know... I'll take one. I'll take one nothing loss against the Houston Dynamo team, you know, any day of the week, you know, in the preseason. Now, you know, we won't talk about that when it comes to like Open Cup time when it's when it's you know deathly more important and obviously we'll be more physic you know we'll be in more uh, a better physical conditioning than than what we are in the preseason yet because you know you still don't have guys that are running and, full and 90 hopefully, minutes and hopefully have. Officials that know how to use VAR, if it's going to be used. <laughs> totally agree. Totally agree. <laughs> so that's small that's... segue to uh, we we ran a question going off of this uh, about how VAR should be used. Um, you know, in USL or in and really soccer more broadly. And you know, I was thinking of a few options. One of them is not at all. Uh, the other options I was thinking of in tennis, they have the eagle eye, and that's really just used for line calls. Was the ball in or was it out? Just gives you the image really quick, zooms in if you need to zoom in, and boom, you get on with life. Uh, 
like in the NFL where you have two challenges a game and you have to use them strategically. You can't you don't want to waste those on relatively meaningless calls because then if it's the 87th minute and you use them both and you have a a goal line play uh i i like that element of strategy so that's why i put that option and then the other option was like college football where any play can be reviewed that doesn't feel like soccer and i i hate how many plays get reviewed in college football like yeah, that was, yeah, so was... no one picked no one picked that option uh it looked like the strongest debate. We did have a few naysayers that said no VAR, um, but really it came down to uh, should it be more like tennis where it's just in or out and off sides, or should it be like challenges? Anything can be challenged, but you can only challenge two things. And what's your thoughts on that? I, you know, I kind of like the, the challenge because, like you say, it kind of brings in the option of you know how do you use it strategically you know you know do you use it this way do you use it that way you know you know you could you could make it in such a situation where yeah you you win both your challenges you get a third just like the NFL does you know i i kind of like that cuz then it then it's not slowing down the game as much as like an like a hawkeye kind of would you know to me that could kind of be similarly based loosely off of like what college football does but you know if i had to lean in a direction i'd I'd definitely go you know with like the two challenges the nice thing about the hawkeye is that on those goal line plays and on the offsides you get a quick answer you know within 10 15 seconds then you get things going again you don't have to look at a monitor and make a more subjective call whereas if you're going to the challenges you do have the subjective part in play, and I don't know how soccer would go about that, whether it's just the refs making that call or if there's a governing body in another place that's going to tell them how to rule. Uh, we've seen some of the hiccups with that in the NFL, but I, I do like that because, I mean, for example, say that there's a guy on a yellow card, and we had a couple of these matches last year. A guy's on a yellow card. The ref says he picks up a second yellow and you say, you know, like, should it actually have been a second yellow or just a regular foul? And you can go and look at over, and that has huge strategic ramifications on the game. Yep. Another one where that would be awesome is the the match, I think, against RGB, where Mala picked up a straight red on something that looked like a yellow at worst. I mean, there's that's an element that I think the Hawkeye misses, mm-hmm. because then you would still have those kinds of situations where there's a massive... Uh, impact on on a game. Yep, I totally um, agree with you. I totally agree. That's a little bit of a non secondary though. We can we can go back to uh, discussing these preseason matches. Yep. Well, you had a, you had a chance to watch uh, the Saturday match against uh, the New York Red Bulls, so I'll I'll defer to you as as far as uh, what you saw on the Saturday match. Sure. So, you know, I I was able to see a lot of this. Actually, on Saturday night, I was busy during the game itself, but I got home. I was like, wow, we won, so I want to see how this this came to be. Uh, good starting lineup for Phoenix Rising. Uh, Carl Wazinski gets to start in net. Uh, Zach Lubin was back there on Wednesday, and now it's Carl's turn. Then you have Amadou Dia. Interesting, you have DeFonte at one of the center back spots alongside Duigi Mala. Mike DeFont looks like he's going to be 
potentially getting a starting job over Joe Farrell. I mean, we're not sure yet at this point, but it's it's starting to look like a real possibility because he's been getting a lot of preseason minutes, and the defense seems to play better when DeFont's in there. Uh, then on the right wing, you have Dubose, another one of those uh, signings just before preseason. And then here's where it gets interesting. A lot of fun names. Billy Forbes, Colin Fernandez, Kavon Lambert. So Kavon Lambert and Fernandez were playing the more defensive mid roles. And then on the broadcast, they listed four forwards. They listed Forbes, Asante, Freider, and Drogba as forwards. So, you know, it's not really a 4-2-4, though. I don't know what the exact formation would be. But it looked like Forbes was on the left wing. Asante was on the right wing. And it looked like Freighter were up top, so I would call it Damon, Um But it didn't look like Freighter or Drogba was like further up top than the other. Uh, they were both getting their chances. But that's, that's the lineup that Phoenix brought out. So a pretty solid lineup. And then the Red Bulls countered with mostly Red Bulls 2 guys, but a couple interesting names there, especially if you're an MMLS junkie. Um... You know, their keeper, Loro, definitely the Red Bulls 2 keeper. But at the top, you have uh, Brady White, who was their first-round MLS draft pick. You have to expect he will at least get some playing time with the first team this season. Uh, first-round picks tend to get onto the field as much as they can because a team has a lot invested in that guy. That's a guy they're expecting to make the rotation and be a part of the future. Kaku. Uh, was a huge signing for Red Bulls this offseason, and it took a long time for them to complete that. So he actually made his on-field debut for Red Bulls in Saturday's match. He wasn't able to join the team down in Costa Rica for their CONCACAF Champions League match. He needed to get some uh, on-field training going, though, because their season gets started soon. And Ben in Mines, that was one of the names I was talking about when we were looking for players to watch. I was thinking Red Bulls wouldn't play their starters the full 90 against us, so I mentioned him. He got the start in this match, mostly with the second team, and he's only 17 years old. So, I mean, you get this match started, and sure enough, it is the Kaku and White show, the two guys that truly have MLS potential. And after about 15 minutes, their attack started getting going. Uh, Kaku and White, unsurprisingly, creating some really good chances and sometimes out of half chances too. But Carl Wazinski, what can you say about the man? He was up to the task, you know, whether it was shots, uh, you know, low curling shots that he had to get a palm to, uh, whether it was corner kicks, having to be tall, stop potential headers in the box. He was getting peppered throughout the first half and he always stood up to the task. And one that really stood out to me was, <clears throat> I forget what minute it was, but uh, there was a one-on-one -on -one situation for Kaku. And I thought, you know, how in the world, because I had the benefit of watching this later, so I knew it wasn't a goal, but I was like, some of these chances, I'm like, how on earth are those not going in? And every time it was just Carl stepping up, making a huge save. And sure enough, on this one-on-one -on -one chance, he gets down low and stops the ball. You move a little further into the half. I think it was around the 35th minute where Phoenix Rising does what they do best. 
does what they're going to do a lot of during this season. Sorry, rest of the USL. And they get a goal on the break. And two of our new signings, two of our speedy new signings, Billy Forbes and Solomon Asante get the job done here. It's Billy Forbes coming up the left wing as he did so many times for San Antonio last year as he did to beat us 1-0 in San Antonio last year when they scored that goal. Long run up the left side, getting past a couple defenders. He slides the ball in for Asante, and I did not expect this from Asante. A cool one-time finish just inside the left post, past the keeper's outstretched foot. What a great, cool finish there from Solomon Asante. My goodness. Yeah, did that, you get to see that goal? I did get to see that goal. Boy, that that was nice. I mean, just like you said, Billy Forbes is, you know, Billy Forbes is going to be last year's Alessandro Rigi for this club. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong, Alessandro Rigi is still going to help this club, you know, but but boy is Billy Forbes bring that just that little extra element. And, you know, to to be able to find Asante with that ball with that cross. I mean, that was a beautiful ball to Asante. I mean, that's I if there's one thing that that Regi's not quite as solid that maybe Forbes might be a little bit better at is that playing that through ball into the middle. You know, Regi I think is a little bit more of one of those types that would take that ball on the left-hand side and would kind of drive towards the corner of the 18 maybe. You know, and do something with it. Whereas Forbes, I think, kind of, kind of, maybe has a little bit more uh, breadth of, of of depth, vision. Of the, the depth of vision of the field, and seeing that running player coming through, and like I say, found Asante, and boy, what a nice slot past the goaltender to make, you know, to give him the early lead. Yeah, and it's it's something we've seen from Forbes when he's been in in the preseason. Unfortunately for us. Some of the guys he's getting the ball to haven't been able to finish, whether it's keepers making saves or the shot's just missing. Um, also shades of the goal against Sporting Kansas City when Devin Vega played the ball to Kevon Freider. Uh, this team knows what to do when they have open space, and they are a nightmare to defend with open space. If MLS teams are struggling to defend us in those situations, just wait until we get to play the lowest doses of the world, the Las Vegas lights of the world. It's going to be fun. Yes, um, <laughs> So, So the half played out. Um, the Red Bulls got a couple, you know, decent chances. But again, Carl was always up to the task. Uh, there was an interesting bicycle kick chance uh, that I think Kaku tried around the 39th minute that was corralled by Carl. Nothing too threatening um, other than that one-on-one chance. And so they get into the breakup 1-0, and then the second half starts, and Duigi Mola in the 47th minute gets one of the softest red cards I've ever seen. Uh, him and a Red Bulls player, Moreno, were battling for the ball towards the corner. Uh, there was a lot of pulling and shoving, just going for the ball, and it looked like Moreno was the aggressor in this situation. After the ref blows the whistle dead, he kind of reaches out at Mala, and then Mala takes offense to that, and he chest bumps him. Uh, you know, not a headbutt, not shades of Zidane here, but he did get up, get up into him, and he gave him a little chest bump. And the ref gives a red card, 
One of the worst features of VAR, they replay it, and it takes four minutes for them to reach a decision, which is the same decision. I don't understand why you need to take that long. It just blows my mind. So Mala comes off. Yeah, four minutes. Mikasa replaces him. Yeah, four minutes is just a little too long to sit there and take a look (laughs) at something like that. If you can't make a decision... To me, it's one of those things. If you can't make a decision in 90 seconds... You know, then then you stick with the call. I think that's where you know that's where you need to go at that point. Right. So you know, totally kills the flow of the game. But we move on. Cody Wakasa comes in for Mala, and they are allowed to play with eleven because it is preseason. Moments later, Phoenix Rising gets a handball. Uh, ball played into the box. It was a quick corner by Didier Drogba. Uh, a clever quick corner, and. I need to, I need to refresh my memory on who got into the box with that ball. I don't know who was wearing our number eight shirt yesterday, but uh, in any case, that would have been Fernandez. It was a smart move there. Okay, so Fernandez gets the ball into the box, plays a ball that's bouncing around there. One of the Red Bull defenders tries to clear it, and sure enough, in the box, very clearly, it hits Ben Mine's outstretched hand. The Red Bulls try to protest it. What's the point? His hand was very clearly out there. They showed replays. It showed how clear it was. Ref smartly points to the spot, and our man, Didier Drogba, steps up there, and as the rising Twitter says, no worries about the penalty. The moment the ref blows the whistle, no stutter steps, no uh, elaborate fakes. He just drills it into the left corner. Just like that, (laughs) 2-0. Classic Didier. I mean, what, what else can you expect? But you know, your best player to step up and confidently take a kick. I mean, we all wished we could have seen that last year, but you know, last year's last year. We'll we'll, we'll chalk that one up to to other things. Yeah, you know, uh, the team has moved on. We're moving in the right direction, and you know, this brings up regular season penalties. If Didier Drogba's in. He's got to take the PK. I don't, you know, like, I know that that sometimes can freak people out with that short step up, but I think there's just so much extra mental, uh, there's such an extra mental edge that Drogba brings to the spot. I think he psychs keepers out, and they don't know what he's going to do, because he can come up there and do that short kick, but he can also come up there and, like, kind of step up, run up to it, and blast it. Keepers don't know what they're going to expect. They get freaked out because it's the legend stepping up there, and it seems like he always puts it in. Oh yeah. Um, you know, you compare that. You compare that to uh, Jason Johnson, the last match, his original shot getting saved. And I don't know. Even even when Johnson was scoring them, because he did have a pretty good scoring record last year for us, it seemed like they weren't the most impressive ones. Like a keeper was getting a hand to it, and it was still going in, or. You know, the keeper gets the right way, but it just missed the glove or something weird. There were a lot of, like, weird ones last year that went in. Or, like, it went in off the post or something. Like, it went off a hand in a post. It's never like, damn, that was just an easy, like, no problems there on that penalty. (laughs) Um, So, you know, give Drogba the penalties. But if he can't, if he's not in the game, I'm curious to see what some of the other options are for those spot kicks. Um, because Wednesday's effort left a lot to be desired. It wasn't really well-placed towards a post. Uh, 
I mean, one thing you have to say is that Lee puts it on target every time. Um, so that's something. But yeah. I would be curious to see if there's a chance in preseason, even if it's a closed doors match or just during training, what can Kavon Freider do from the spot? What can Billy Forbes do from the spot? Uh, what can someone else do? Because um, last year, our, our taker, before he went down, was Luke Rooney. Really good from the spot. Yeah. So it doesn't always have to be a striker. It just has to be someone that knows what they're doing up there. I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you on that. But Drogba knew what he was doing. It was 2-0. And then the match goes on. And Red Bulls, again, they're they're getting some chances. Uh, Carl made a nice grab on ball. Uh, It was actually behind his right shoulder. And it was looking kind of dangerous. One of those weird looping balls. Around the 61st first minute, but he, he jumps back, he catches it, and then, you know, New York Red Bulls are going to get on the board eventually with all the talent they have, and sure enough, it was Brady White who did have a lot of chances in the first half. He gets on the end of a ball, they break on us, and he does a great job kind of chipping the keeper, Carl. Uh, Carl tried to get his hand out there, couldn't quite get there. Uh, just a good goal. I don't think there's much fault. There's really no fault on Carl and not too much fault on the defense. They played hard all day. That was just a quality finish. Not a finish I would expect in USL too often uh, to be able to put that in under that kind of pressure. But they get on the board and it's 2-1. And then the stream craps out with about 10 minutes left. So we're all wondering how that match ends. Turns out that we... uh, we hang on for the 2-1 win. At least that's what everyone's reporting. I don't know if uh, Phoenix Rising's Twitter account, they knew we were hungry for a win, so they just didn't keep those last two Red Bull goals uh, <laughs> in there. But, <laughs> but no, it, it ended 2-1, and, you know, a good and well-deserved result for the team. Uh, they've played so hard in so many of these matches, and we're really, like, one or two plays away from coming out of here with three wins against five MLS, three wins in five MLS matches, which is pretty damn impressive. And, and I think, you know, when you when you look at the overall, you know, what they've done this entire Mobile Mini Sun Cup, I think you can't argue the effort that they've put forward. You've now seen everybody, you know, see time on the field. I think we're starting to get a sense of who's going to be in the net. I think we're starting to get somewhat of a sense of, of – what players we may see in what positions, you know, like we say, this week's game coming up in Ecuador, I think could be a very good indicator of what we might see as the season maybe gets ready to begin. Because I mean, when you're going to play one of the stronger teams in Ecuador, you know, I think the only thing you can do is put your best foot forward in, in a match like that. Let's see what these guys can do for 70, 80 minutes. Make the substitutions like you would maybe in a USL setting. You know, and let's see where the lineup sits. And know? it's... Yeah, this is this is going to be as close to the regular season as you can get. It might even feel more like... Uh, it might even feel like the stakes are higher than some regular season matches with the atmosphere that you would expect in Quito for that match. They already hyped it up on their Twitter page. Didier Drogba sent a message to the Ecuadorian fans earlier this week. So you know he's going to be part of that starting 11. Um, 
But it's going to be a good match. I mean, from a talent perspective, I would imagine that LDU Keto probably has a similar talent level to like an above average Liga MX team. So probably like a Club Tijuana. So this is going to be like a good, real strong test. I mean, just to go in there and hold our own against this team at over 9,000 feet altitude. Quito is, I think, almost 9,500 feet altitude. So almost double what Denver is. Yeah. Um, if we can if we can have a decent result there, it doesn't necessarily have to be a win. That would be unbelievable. And if we're somehow able to come out with a draw or a win, that would be putting us over the moon, I think. Yeah. But the biggest thing should just be how can the guys respond in a really hostile environment? Because this will probably be the most hostile environment we face unless we're looking at like the U.S. Open Cup and we make it to like round of 16 and we have to play in Portland or Seattle or something. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And, you know, like we've said this whole time, what a, you know, what an opportunity to get to train with one of the one of the top clubs you know down down in ecuador i mean you know patrice Carterone and his staff working really hard to to make this uh you know training event happen and it can only help the boys you know like you said playing it playing at altitude at nine thousand feet that's going to help them especially when you talk about their their you know their fitness level they definitely would have to have it up as they go through this week of training um, you know, you're going to have a couple, of, <coughs> excuse me, a couple of days to get used to the, you know, to the altitude and get used to, to, to how, you know, you need to take in your oxygen and everything. But, you know, like you said, I think as long as we see a strong effort, we may not necessarily have to see a win. I mean, I'm okay with a one nothing loss. I'm okay with a one, one draw, you know, coming out of there by, for some reason we could get a win. It would be great, but you know, I think this this will probably be the game that, that tells us what to expect for the season as far as maybe, you know, a, a good starting lineup. And going off of that note, if we get if we lose like 3-1 or 4-1, it's not the end of the world. We're playing in a very tough spot where we're heavy underdogs in high altitude against a team that does have a lot of success down there. Don't come on our page or anywhere else and be like, oh, the sky is falling. We lost 4-1. We're going to be hopeless. Because this is a team that's better than a lot of MLS teams that we're going to be playing. And we're not getting them on our home turf or our home state. We're playing on their home turf. So go go in with, like, realistic expectations and, you know, just, just enjoy the experience and hopefully the guys can play hard you yeah, know and plus you're you know you're you're still a solid two and a half weeks out from the regular season starting so this is still you know everybody must you know let's still remember this we're still in preseason training so it's not like this is a third round of an open cup or a fourth round of an open cup where you know a result really matters no this is still trying to get our legs underneath us getting ready for the season and and getting ready for orange county so i mean you know that's that's the big difference here that I think everybody needs to remember. Is let's remember, guys, this is still preseason and we're still trying to work towards the ultimate goal. Yeah, and you know, you talk about working towards the ultimate goal. This week was a great week for accomplishing that objective. Some of the matches at Phoenix Rising Soccer Complex, we were playing hard, 
But there were too many defensive mistakes. Some of the guys didn't look like they were at full uh, fitness level. And, and Carterone said, too, you know, the first couple of weeks are just more about fitness. Some of the tactics we're going to emphasize as preseason moves on. You could see that there was a better emphasis on that, and especially on the defensive end, because both those matches only giving up one goal to two teams that made the MLS playoffs last year. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, that is very impressive. And 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 like you said in the open when you know when we talked about it, defensive shape has definitely improved over the last two games, and you obviously could see it. Yeah, and uh, you know, I mean, another thing that shows me is uh, if we do get into MLS, I mean, we're already like where Minnesota United was last year when they were coming in. I mean, we can already hang with these guys with the people we have now. Yeah. So give it, you know, if we come in in two, three years, I have no doubt that the front office management is going to do everything possible to come in there and, you know, not just make up the numbers, but really compete hard and try to win. So just all around good stuff to see. Yep, definitely good stuff to see. Well, obviously, not a uh, whole lot of team news this week. Um, you know, the team left this morning uh, to head down to Ecuador, so obviously that's that's the, the biggest news of the week. But obviously the other interesting news, um, I know last week we hyped the drawings, the renderings of the stadium. Uh, I did talk to Brett Johnson this week, and he did assure me that that things are moving along. Um, we hope to see some some renderings early part of this week. Uh, you know, the, the the design team, you know, met towards the end of last week. So um, obviously they're they're gearing things up, getting it ready to go. So you know, don't don't worry. They're, they're coming. I promise you that. You know, Brett Brett has been very open with me about everything. So you know, glad that he's been been keeping in touch with us and letting letting us know what's going on. So you know, be patient. I know the renderings are coming shortly. So so all is good on that front. Um, the other thing to talk about this week is the announcement that the uh, party for the. Uh, unveiling of the 2018 jersey will be held Friday, March 9th at the Marquee Theater uh, there in Tempe. I think that's a that's a great get to be able to get you know a place like that to, to host your your jersey uh, uh, unveiling party. I mean, couldn't ask for a better situation. Yeah, it's a fun spot. It's close to the soccer complex, so a pretty good location for fans coming from all over the valley. Um, it's an intimate venue, so I, yeah, it, I think beyond what most people's expectations were for this reveal, those of you that remember last year happened at the Four Peaks in Tempe, which was a fun night, but I think this takes it to a whole different level, so. And especially when, uh, when Sam a couple of weeks ago sent out that, uh, that there are three jerseys to unveil this year, so this will be interesting to see. Uh, you know what the third kit will look like this year and uh, possibly find out how many times they may wear that third kit so that'll be that'll be definitely interesting to see definitely um so that's that's really the big things for team news a couple small things about what's left for the preseason we've talked about this LDU keto match LDU keto match uh, this Wednesday there really isn't too much beyond that. There's 
March 9th, we do have a closed-door preseason match against Oklahoma City that's going to be in Tucson. And then I had heard something about a potential uh, preseason match against the New Mexico men's soccer team on May on March 10th. Um, if that happens, we would assume it's closed door. No announcement on that yet. It's not even on the USL preseason page. So we're not sure if that's for sure happening. Uh, if both of these matches are happening, I would imagine it would be kind of a split squad situation. And really the New Mexico one would be a chance for trialists to get a chance, uh, see what they can do. Yeah, but would, that's we're really winding down towards the end of preseason. Yeah. I, I would think obviously the the big match is the LDU keto match um, Wednesday, and then I think you might I think you might see some of the big guys get a good you know fifty sixty minute run maybe against OKC Energy just to just to get a kind of a final fitness. Uh, test in for them and then like you said I think you see a lot of the second excuse me a lot of the second team guys anybody who's still possibly trying to get on as a trialist like you said I think you see those guys maybe in that New Mexico match if they do play um, just to give them their last fitness level you know test before you know you get into the regular season so right so moving on to League news, uh, not too many big signings this week that we are aware of. Uh, we did check out some of the scores around the league, and there were a couple interesting matches that we want to highlight. Um, the one that came to my mind was Tampa Bay Rowdies yesterday. Uh, they were playing Philadelphia Union, and it was a first-string Philadelphia Union side, and Tampa beat them 2-1. It was at Al Lang, so a true home match for Tampa. Um, but this match was two nil at halftime, and this was this was not a you know Philadelphia basically like a Bethlehem Steel side like a backup side. They had their guys. Andre Blake was playing. Um, I would need to go through some of the other names in that in that squad, but they had a strong first team lineup. Uh, Philadelphia did, and yet they still. Uh, allow Tampa to go up 2-0 and Tampa does a pretty good job of holding that lead the only goal for Philadelphia came in the last 10 minutes on a free kick but that's an impressive result and you know a lot of people are talking about Tampa Bay as a team that could potentially win the Eastern Conference and as a potential USL Cup favorite I think they might pick to win the East this year I agree. I agree with you. I mean, they obviously made a lot of moves in the positive direction, you know, versus teams in the East, such as, you know, defending champion Louisville, uh, Charleston, you know, teams you expect to be at the top really didn't make any major moves. I mean, you know, I agree with you on the point that I think right now, if you were to pick an early Eastern conference team, I, Tampa Bay would definitely be right up there. You know, obviously you you still got to consider Louisville has got to be part of the equation, but but yeah, I, yeah, Tampa Bay definitely making leaps and bounds here in the off season. Yeah, and just just so you get a sense of like the guys that Tampa Bay was playing against, and they still won. Um, Adam Najem was playing for the Union. Uh, Corey Burke was playing for the Union. Um, let's see who else. 
was in David Akam was in for the Union. So this is a true, and the goal scorer for them was a uh, Bosnia and Herzegovina international player, Harris Medujanin. I'm just going with that. Um, so definitely a strong squad for the Union because their MLS season gets started soon. Uh, but Tampa up to the challenge. Another interesting result. Um, you know, we we have been keeping tabs on the expansion teams this season, especially the expansion teams out west. Fresno did not play in the last seven days, but Las Vegas did. Uh, they had another MLS team come into town, and this time it was DC United. And Vegas loses this match, but the real story here is Freddie Adu comes off the bench as a substitute, gets an assist for Las Vegas, and then nearly ties the match at three in the dying moments with a one-time effort that almost went in. So he had, I mean, this isn't just a stunt. He actually had a pretty significant impact. Yeah, the question, I think the question is at this point, does he still have the legs, you know, at this point to, to, to really be a viable starting option, or does he have the, the, the legs uh, at this point to be like a 30, 35-minute guy coming off the bench uh, you know, and doing things like that. It'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see if, you know, whether Las Vegas even attempts to sign him or not, you know, because obviously he's still on trial with them. So, um, you know, obviously it would be a huge signing if they could get a Freddie Adu. I mean, that would be a name person, you know, that you could attach to a club. And, you know, just like, you know, we have names here and there, there, there are some other names around the league, you know, Freddie Adu, obviously, you know, you say that name, a lot of people know who you're talking about. So, you know, it'll be <coughs> interesting to see how, how, you know, if he stays with them, how he's going to fit in with the club. Um, interesting name that, you know, you haven't really heard anything about, but I know he was on international duty. Um, we're, st- we're still waiting to hear on Dane Kelly to see if, if, if he's playing somewhere in the USL this year. Um, I, I had heard he might be going to India. That that could be very interesting. I mean, he just came off, you know, he just came off that stint where he played some international uh, play, you know, and and I believe he recorded his first international goal, you know, playing for playing for his home country. So you know, you know, kudos to him for that. And uh, you know, but wow, that would be a huge get if India gets him. Uh, yeah. I mean, and the, that was just going off of one uh, tweet. We're getting deep into Twitter speculation now, but um, I mean, he's still listed as Reno on a lot of the websites, Soccerway and stuff. But everyone, everyone knows that he's not going to be back on Reno. So the real question is, where is he going? And I, you know, if that if that tweet is to be believed, maybe he's getting better pay out in India. Uh, if so, you know, wish him the best. But uh, that would be an interesting choice. Yeah, it would definitely be an interesting choice. Last last thoughts on Las Vegas, too. Um, they remind me a lot of us last season. Uh, you know, bringing in some big names, but the defense is a real piece of work. I mean, they have given up at least two goals in all of their preseason matches. I think they gave up, you know, they gave up four to United this week. They gave up four in another match so uh you know if they get that figured out they could be going places but i i don't think i don't think chalice 
is the kind of guy that can uh, mold that team into a defensive juggernaut. And I don't see them finding a diamond in the rough like Patrice Carterone mid-season uh, to turn their defense into a juggernaut. So they're probably a year away from being a real contender. But it's always fun to see how they're doing. Yep, that it is. That it is. So those are, I mean, those are the big matches in USL. Cincy beat Indy 11 earlier this week, 2-1. to one. Nashville got a tie with Chicago Fire on Wednesday. Those are some things, but I, I think those are the big matches we already covered. A lot of teams are just playing colleges at this point. Yeah, it's just trying to keep their fitness level up, you know, before we hit the regular season, so. And there are a few matches by the time you're listening to this podcast that will have gone final. Uh, a lot of matches that are being played today, Sunday the 25th. Uh, Charlotte plays North Carolina FC. That'll be a fun rivalry as the season goes on. Nashville playing Orlando City. It's a closed doors in Orlando. Uh, Sac Republic hosting LAFC yeah, at Papa Murphy's Park. And that's open to the public. Uh, I might try to catch a stream of that, actually. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see you know, how, how LAFC is, is kind of developed over this time. You know, obviously, you know, being an, an expansion club, you know, you know where, where their footing sits and, and, and what we'll see from them, you know, as they prepare for their season opener in a couple of weeks. And conversely, Sac Republic has been one of the more divisive teams among uh, people that follow the USL closely. Some believe they can get into that top five and be a contender in the West. A lot of people see them just struggling to make the playoffs and maybe even not making the playoffs with so many teams around them getting better. Yeah. I think I'm more towards the former camp. I think they're going to finish top five, but I could certainly see them struggling to make it if a few things don't go their way. Yeah. So fun match for both teams. I'm pretty intrigued. Uh, obviously this is bad radio because by the time you listen to this, it'll be over. But um, if you're listening to this, check out the highlights. I'm sure there'll be some things to see. And LAFC gets their MLS season started next Sunday. So. Yeah, definitely. I definitely, think it's time. Definitely interesting week coming ahead, you know, to see some interesting, you know, interesting matches also. You know, you've got Indy 11 playing Swope Park Rangers this week. Uh, that'll be an interesting match to watch. Uh, OKC Energy is coming down to Tucson to, to start a Tucson uh, trek of games with the first one being a uh, game on Friday against Grand Canyon University, that'll be interesting, you know, for a local standpoint. Um, you know, the, I think the other interesting game of the week might be San Antonio playing Rio Grande on, on Friday at Toyota Field. That'll definitely be an interesting one to watch as well. It will. But I think it's time we go to our final segment, a uh, segment that returns triumphantly after a week off. <laughs> Supporters section questions and you guys the fans came up big with supporter section questions this week uh, We didn't even give our listeners too much time to Respond to this, but we've got a ton of responses. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try to go through these and You know if your response is answered towards the end our apologies But we got like six or seven questions. So that's a great turnout way to go fans You guys are the real MVPs you ready for this? Let's fire away. Okay. First question, and 
wow, I really didn't see this one coming. Will Mala actually begin the season on the bench? So while we were on the air, I responded, preseason red cards don't lead to regular season suspensions. He responds, pertaining to form, I mean. He's looked slow in reacting to danger so far. And this is at Brandon Eske, uh, the last five letters there, E-S-Q-U-E. He's, you know, he's got a point, you know. I mean, he, he does at times seem slow to react to things. Could it be a fitness issue? I don't know, you know. I, and, I, and I can't say that there, there's an injury issue there either as well, but. I would guess right now, I mean, I would still have to think that you're looking at him and Farrell or him and DeFont in the middle. I mean, I, I can't see anything else unless you go Farrell and DeFont in the middle and have Mala coming off the bench. I mean, that's, you know, my my only concern is that I don't know that necessarily DeFont has the size that you're looking for in the middle, but maybe he's got something else that Carterone likes and, and, and has seen because obviously, you know, he played there on Saturday and, and saw something he liked, so. I, I mean, to answer this question, what other options do we have? It's like you were saying, we could start Farrell and Defonce, but Farrell has had his moments of shakiness this preseason as well. Uh, no one, I mean, look, we were extremely spoiled by having Jordan Stewart and Peter Ramage as our center backs last year. These are guys that had a lot of English football experience. Both were able to play in the Premier League. They've forgotten more about the game than we'll ever know. So we were extremely spoiled to have these veteran defenders, big guys in the middle of the box that could clear headers when we were under pressure. And, you know, Stewart, as the season went on, made some great interventions. We're not this year you know we're very spoiled up at the top but at center back welcome to how the rest of the usl lives we don't have a perfect situation and we're gonna have to make do that's that's part of uh you know being a second division club finding things that work and taking some chances i mean you try to cover all the holes in the best way you can but nothing's gonna be perfect you know that Farrell has starting experience because he started for rochester one of the best defensive squads in usl uh, and played under uh, Coach Lilly, who's a defensive mastermind. Uh, and then Mala has experience in Africa. I think he has experience with Carterone, and so that's probably why he trusts him there. And he has experience playing center back last year. Do I think he is a, a imperfect option? Sure. But, I mean, what else are you going to do? Play Defont with Farrell? We don't have any other bodies there because the team hasn't even tried Dia at center back like they did last year. They're committed to keeping him at left back. So, I I mean, no, I don't see him starting the season on the bench. If it, if he is picking up too many cards as the season goes on and being a liability, maybe. But I think he has a pretty loose leash. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. Uh, I mean, it's an interesting question, though. Like something to, it's a good thing to think about, yeah. especially if this continues because he picked up some cards last year. You know, you know. Let's see where maybe he plays this week in this LDQ match, and and uh, you know, and, and, and how he performs. Exactly. Exactly. Um, 
kind of fitting that we go to the next question from Joseph Lowry at Joe and Cleats. What is this squad's biggest weakness? You know, going into preseason, I thought that the uh, right and left back squad, right and left back spots could be a bigger weakness, but um, it does seem to be the center back pairing at this point. It does seem to be the center back pairing, you know, you know, Obviously, we filled we you know with Wakasa and Debose on the right, and with you know Vasquez and Dia on the left. I think we're solid there. You know, like I said, I agree. You know, it's Mala, it's Farrell, it's Defont right now in the center, and yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's not it's not Jordan Stewart and Peter Ramage, obviously. So that, you know, obviously that's the scary part. We've got plenty of midfielders. We've got plenty of forwards. You know, I don't think we're 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 lacking there. We got a good goalkeeping unit set up right now. So yeah, I think if if you're worried about one thing, central defense. I agree. Next question comes from Pat Moses at Goalie Man Pat. After five preseason matches, are you more or less confident in season expectations? I don't think I'm changed right now. I think. You know, I, I, I still think we talked earlier, top four is, is definitely attainable. At least winning and hosting a playoff match, I think, is attainable. Third, fourth round of the Open Cup is all attainable. I, you know, I don't think my expectations have changed any right now. You know, I, I think you need to see something, <coughs> excuse me, you need to see something major drastic happen to this club for anything to change right now. You know, a defender goes down, one of your top, you know, whether it's a Billy Forbes or, or a, a Solomon Asante or a Kevon Freighter or a Devin Vega. Or you, you know, you see one of those major guys go down, then I might worry a little bit. But I think right now, I think I don't. my expectations are no different than, than where they were when we started. Yeah, if anything slightly higher than where we were before because if you look at those five MLS matches um, you know we probably deserve to draw against the Dynamo and in the first match against Red Bull so you're really looking at and arguably even against Kansas City uh, so you know let's say say one win two draws two losses from those five matches with you know if you're looking at it from like expected goals standpoint um I mean, we played really well. We were, like, right there with those teams. And I think some of the things that fans are worrying about, goals coming off of crosses, uh, you know, the center-back pairing, I think some of those things are magnified when you're going against MLS squads. And then once the season gets going and we're playing against USL squads, these worries won't seem as big as they do now. Because the level of competition drops a little bit. It's just inevitable. So... If anything, I'm a little bit more confident because what I do know will carry over to the season is our ability to attack people on the break. And what I do know will carry over to the season is Kavon Freider getting in the right spots for goals. And I know that Billy Forbes is going to get open on the left wing. These are things I know will carry over to the regular season. I don't know if this defensive struggle is going to continue once we start playing USL opposition. I do know I can trust Carl Wazinski in that. So, if anything, I'm a little bit more confident because now, not only 
not only do I know we can play well against USL opposition, I know we can compete well against MLS, too. And come time for the Open Cup, if we make the fourth round and beyond, we're not going to go into those matches as feeling like we're heavy underdogs anymore. Everyone on the roster has playing time against that level of competition. And it's not like they ever blew us off the field. I mean, we only lost one match by more than one goal. And that match was 0-0 in the 72nd minute. So, Yeah, I totally agree. Next question comes from the vibe at Justin Vibbs. Who is someone you felt underperformed in the preseason, and do you think they can improve? Huh. Underperformed. And let, let's do someone that we haven't touched on yet. I, I don't know necessarily that he's underperformed, but I don't know that I've seen enough from Kevon Lambert right now. I mean, he's he's held his own at his position, but I kind of expected a little bit more from him maybe in the preseason so far, and I just haven't seen it yet. Maybe it's just because, you know, when he's in his defensive midfield role, they're, they're not attacking him because they know that what they're about to come up against when they play, you know, against him, you know, I don't know that, he, that he's necessarily underperforming, but I mean, I, I can't really think of anybody that's really underperforming right now. Yeah. I mean, there are certain guys that maybe aren't just, they're just not getting on the field a lot. Um, so in that sense, like you would like to see a little bit more out of them because they're just not on the field a lot. But that could just be because the coaching staff is looking to see what they have in other in other places. Um, had you asked this question last week, I would probably say Drogba. But you can tell that his fitness level is improving. He scored the goal on Saturday. He's looking better now. So I guess the one name that I'm thinking of right now is Jason Johnson. Um, he hasn't gotten on the score sheet yet. And he has played a decent amount. There are a lot of other options up top understandably so but uh you know he had his real big chance on wednesday on a penalty kick and uh not not the greatest shot not the greatest rebound either even though you know it's pretty obvious that it still went in off the post but could have placed the ball better there was a whole half of the goal open and he put it up the middle uh do you think he can improve yeah because we we saw what he was capable of last year um the big question is how is he going to fit in to this season's roster? And it's tough. It's really tough because we do have so many options. It's it's tough for one guy not, not to feel like they're going to get squeezed out. Yeah. So much talent, so few starting spots, and Kavon Frater and Billy Forbes are just playing lights out right now. Yeah. So, and, and, and you know... Um, you know, one of those names that, that you could find on that list, and I would hate I, I hate to, to even venture to say this, but, I mean, Chris Cortez could be sitting on the outside just because of numbers. I mean, sheer, you know, you're look, if, if, if you're looking at playing him on the right, you know, you got to figure either Solomon Asante, if he's playing the right, or if Gladson Awako's playing on the right, is probably there ahead of him right now. And probably even Alessandro Rigi is ahead of him if you play him on the right, because obviously Billy Forbes is going to play on the left. You may not, 
he may not be subbing Billy Forbes. So, you know, it could be a numbers game between Alessandro Rigi and Chris Cortez, and you'd hate to see that because both of those are obviously solid players. Yeah, I mean, with Rigi, I think he could still come in as an impact sub a lot and get some starts. With Cortez, I unless we pick up a couple knocks, which you really don't want to see, I think the only matches he'll get starts is you know open cup and the occasional midweek match there are just so many players on the depth chart yeah. um i mean this kind of non-sequitur a little bit we were originally talking about underperformed and i i don't think cortez or Rigi have underperformed in preseason it's just it is a numbers game and when it's a good problem to have you no know, it's a so great talent yeah, it's a but, great it's a great problem to have, but you know, unfortunately, you don't want to see those you get, things. You get invested in these guys. You yeah. do. You do. You do. Um, a double question coming from my roommate uh, at Robbie Buddy: Who will lead us in goals this season? Who will lead us in assists? Well. I- I guess it depends on the formation, you know, for first. I mean, but, it, you know, I think maybe Kevon Frater leads the team in goals right now. If you if you look at it it's purely of a formation style, maybe a lot. I love of, it. I'm, get, I'm converting people to the Frater train. You know, him, and then maybe you see Billy Forbes, you know, leading on assists, or maybe even – Maybe even either somebody like a Solomon Asante or Gladson Awako, depending, you know, depending on who kind of plays in the middle of the park. I think that's going to be your player that that may be the one that ends up being the ultimate distributor. Yeah, that's a good that's a good call. I think the formations are going to matter even more for the assist leader because if we're going up against a team that's going to sit back against us and we're going to need guys to have those kinds of link up passes then I see it being Asante or a Waco. Guys that can thread the ball through, that can find the weaknesses in the defense. You know, Vega, if he gets enough playing time, I could see him racking up assists in those kinds of matches. If it's a match where we're breaking and we have a lot of space, we're able to get a lot of space, then I would look for Billy Forbes to pick up assists. I think most teams are going to catch on pretty quick that you don't want to give us space. And so I'm going to go with Asante on this question. I think Asante for assists and Freider for goals. He just has a nose for it. I mean, I I mean, I expect Drogba to get seven or eight, maybe probably this year. Everyone's going to get you know. it. Yeah, everyone's going to get theirs. You know, but I, just, I but I I, I, I could see Freider going. I could see Freider going double digits. I really could. And I, you know, if as long as he's in the starting lineup. I think he will. Yep. The guy scored like 12 goals for Colorado Springs last year. He's playing with a, such a higher quality of player, and he's only 23. I mean, this could be a career season for him. So I, we're both on, on Kavon Freider for goals. Who was your guy for assists? I, I figured it's either going to be Asante or Awako, depending on who plays in the middle of the park. And I think Asante's going to play more, so I'm going to go to Asante there. Last question, and it is a doozy from Murray at Miracles. Starting 11 on the 17th. <laughs> well, if I had to take my shot right now, I'm going Waz and Net. 
I think you're going to have a back four right to left of Wakasa, Mala, Farrell, and Dia. If we're playing the 4-2-3-1, which I know everybody likes, then you're going to have Lambert and probably Colin Fernandez sitting back with Billy Forbes on the left, with Solomon Asante in the middle, with Gladson Awako on the right, and then I think you're going to have probably Kevon Freighter up top as much as I would love to see Drogba up there, you know. I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree on some of those. Um, I think you're right. I think Wisniewski gets to start. The only difference I would have in the back, I think Dubose might be taking that starting right back role from Wakasa. Uh, he's put in some good shifts this preseason. He's been getting a lot of playing time too. Even in the matches at Phoenix Rising, he was getting in for a half here, a half there. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Dubose overtakes Wakasa for that starting spot. Uh, you know, we'll go four two three one because this isn't a way match, so that is kind of the setup I would expect. So I agree with you on Fernandez and Lambert as the two defensive mids. The three, I think you got to put Forbes at the left side, and then again, this is this is where we uh, disagree a little bit. I see Drogba in the middle. I think it's Asante on the right side and Freighter up top. Yeah, you could you could be right with seeing Drogba in the middle of the park. I mean, we, I think I mean, just we have it's the seen, season opener. Yeah, he's going to want to play, and, and we you know, and we have seen a lot more of him kind of playing a little bit more back in the field. Now that you you know, now that you you, you say that, you know, we have seen you know, we haven't necessarily seen Drogba as much forward as we've normally seen in the past, and maybe you know, maybe he's taking on that role of of being a, more of a distributor than he is being a player that wants to be up top and always going after the ball. Maybe that's, you know, a good thing for Kevon Freighter that, you know, that gives him the ability to be able to run. So, And then as far as subs for this match, I would expect, you know, a Waco as a sub if we were winning. Uh, Rigi is a sub if we need some energy uh, coming in for Asante or for Forbes, for that matter, yeah. um, and then maybe maybe Wakasa <laughs> coming in as a defensive sub. Yeah, and then you and then depending on situation, you could have Jason Johnson, you know, and Jason top, Johnson too up, as up a potential top for, yeah. up top for speed if you need it. You know, and then or if we just need like a you know like a guy to create something, put us ahead in the match. Yeah, exactly, you know, but uh, it, I, I think it'll be interesting. I think. Let let's see what what we see on Wednesday, and I think we'll we'll get a better idea maybe there. Yep. Thank you as always. Those are phenomenal questions. Uh, please keep those coming. I'm sure we'll have a lot of good questions for next week. Final thoughts. Uh, final thoughts is you know let's let's see what the boys put out on Wednesday. I mean I think this is the ultimate match to determine. You know, if guys are fighting for roster spots to, to either start or to find themselves in that, uh, you know, in that 18 to be on the bench for that first game, you know, I think this week is the week they fight. You know, let's let's see how they train up there the first couple of days. Let's see the roster that Patrice puts out. Um, you know, let's see where the boys go. You know, 
like we've talked about in the past, that, that we thought that the match Saturday against the Red Bulls was going to be important, and we thought that this match on Wednesday against uh, Quito was going to be important as well. And I think, you know, this has played out all along the way it has. You know, solid roster we saw Saturday. I think we're going to see another solid roster Wednesday night. And I think it'll just lead us right into where we need to be in the regular season. Yeah, can't really uh, disagree with you much there. Um, also, be excited about this week. We get it. It sounds like Brett Johnson has cleared things up on the stadium renderings, and we will be getting stadium renderings early this week. So, you know, if you're not listening to this early in the week, you might already have seen the stadium renderings by the time you're listening. So that's an exciting thing. Um, get get ready for that keto match on Wednesday. That's just going to be such a fun thing to see. Uh, you don't really see any other USL teams or really even MLS teams going to South America for preseason friendlies. So that's, that's just special in its own right. Um, and then, you know, next week's episode should be really good because we'll talk about those two things. I'm going to be in New York, so I won't be on the episode. It'll be Jeff and Kyle most likely. Um, I will be getting an interview with uh, someone, Paul Camarada. He's done the Coaching Journey podcast, if you want to give that a look. He'll have some opinions on the NASL case, which we didn't even touch on on this episode, but uh, an appellate court affirmed the district court ruling saying the NASL you know, can't force an injunction uh, to regain second division status. So he'll have some thoughts on that. He was at the um, the National Soccer Conference in Philadelphia, so he'll have his thoughts from that. And just other things about the U.S. soccer landscape. Not sure if we'll play that interview for next week's episode or the following week before the season gets started, but either way, we'll have that for you in the near future, and Jeff and Kyle will hold on the fort here. So, yep, so have, a, have a great trip to New York. Uh, like I always say, check out Firebird Rising this week uh, and uh, look for the stadium renderings, look for information on the stadium, uh, try to get a, some comments from Brett Johnson and, and maybe some of the other owners uh, talking about uh, their thoughts on the stadium, and then uh, we'll, uh, we'll try to get into it in a little bit more detail this next week. Sounds good. Thank you for listening, and go Rising. Go Rising. we'd like to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves is the official scarf supplier for MLS, USL, and US soccer. So be sure to go to roughneckscarves.com and get some of their products. We hope you enjoyed the show.